All right. So you are a first year student and you're thinking, okay, I think I might want to go to medical school, maybe dental school, perhaps PA. I'm not really sure. I want to make sure I'm com a competitive applicant in a couple years. What do I need to be doing right now? Hey, that's a great question. Uh, or maybe you're a little bit late to wanting to pursue a health profession. This episode's really going to help you figure out how do I get off to a great start? So if you're really starting to figure out how do I set that good foundation, those good building blocks, this is the right episode for you on the Penn State Pre-Health Podcast. Hello, and welcome back to the Penn State Pre-Health Podcast, the show to help all pre-health students on their journey to acceptance. I'm Kimberly Johnson, and I am here with my wonderful colleague, John Moses Bronson. Hello. We're in fall. Our allergies are wild. Uh, They're yeah. the best. I don't know what's going on. Yeah. So if you, you hear a couple sniffles or a uh, sneeze or two. We can't help it. <laughs> it, it is it is that time of year. So we are health, healthily into October at this point. Which means we're having an abundance of student appointments. Yeah. Scheduling stuff. Mm -hmm. A lot of first they're, year students. Yeah, exactly. And they're thinking, okay, surely there's something that I should be doing right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're looking for like, give me my game plan. Put right. me in the game, coach. Tell me what position I'm playing and where I got to run. And I'm thinking, let's be gentle. Let's start slow. It's not game day yet. It's not game day yet, but yes, let's start thinking ahead to what that's going to look like. Yeah. If you're a sportsy person, your first year is sort of conditioning practice. You're not even into regular practice yet. John, are we sportsy people? I'm not saying I'm a sportsy person. <laughs> I'm just saying that the analogy that came to my head just happened to be sports related. We're making analogies in areas that we're kind of kind of familiar with at least tangentially exactly <laughs> and exactly. we do have a lot of students who are athletes they are. too yes so it's an analogy i have employed in the past and has been, it works yes it's, it's found me well it really works it works for a lot of things where mm -hmm. i mean most things have a season yes and it doesn't mean that we're completely divorced from that mm -hmm. The rest of the year. Yeah. But we're not as heavily involved as we would be, say, during the application cycle. Yeah. Or during summer when classes are sort of on pause for mm -hmm. most of our students and they're thinking, how am I going to use my time? Yeah. Summers are for rest and recuperation. Mm -hmm. They're also for thinking ahead to your future and seeing how can I begin showing those future colleagues, those future admissions folks that I've been really serious about this path for a long time mm -hmm. and I know what I'm getting myself into. This is not sort of a short-lived uh excitement that's just going to then taper off in a few weeks as well yeah so we we love our students that have tons of passion we're going to help sort of help you figure out how to direct that passion specifically in your first year you have to pace yourself yes you don't so, start running a marathon when you've never run a 5k no so we want to think okay we're mid-october yeah Almost. We've hit the midpoint in the semester. Mm -hmm. So how did those first exams go? 
Yeah. Were you... It's a big moment. Surprised? Do you feel like you need to pivot a little bit in Mm -hmm. your approach to a particular course? Maybe make a little bit of time for office hours or guided study groups. Mm -hmm. Meet with those LAs. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think a lot of students particularly our students who were really exceptional in high school, are having a hard time figuring out how they need to pivot to be successful in college because in high school, you review your notes and you're usually pretty good. In college, it's really a different beast. And you're not alone. No, my goodness, this is so very normal. it's really helpful to find a couple of other people who are in the same boat. So mm-hmm. that's where talking to your L.A., Going to a guided study group, starting your own little study group Mm -hmm. can be really helpful. You know, solidarity. We want Mm -hmm. some people in our corner who get it and who are kind of in the same boat. Mm -hmm. Um, You bounce ideas off of each other. Maybe there's a topic that one person understands better than the others. You kind of take the lead on that. So this is a really good time to evaluate how your academics are going Mm -hmm. and whether you need to pivot. Yeah. Employ those other resources to help you if you need them. Our first-year students are also scheduling in about three-and-a-half-ish weeks. And so maybe you're getting a little antsy. You're thinking, okay, I know college is all about sort of completing the requirements for my major, Mm -hmm. but oh, 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 pre-health has made me very aware of all of these prerequisites I need. And I'm feeling overwhelmed with the task of combining these two separate Mm -hmm. sort of list of requirements that I have. Yeah, especially for our students that aren't in STEM majors, it can feel really overwhelming. But thankfully, I I think a lot of our common majors for students, they do play well together. It just doesn't look super obvious when you first look at it. Yes. So uh, what I want to remind all of you is that there are some more restrictive majors than others. But in many majors, there is going to be a little bit of room to play with things and Mm -hmm. tailor it towards your own interest. In this case, your interest would be whatever health profession you're aiming towards. Um, Everyone at our university is required to complete gen eds. Mm -hmm. So are there general education courses that will count for some of these prerequisites that you're looking towards? Yeah, absolutely there are. I feel (laughs) scheduling is sort of one of those things where I think it sort of pops up on your radar really late at night when Mm -hmm. your mind is just spinning a little bit. And then you go running to our calendar and you see how full they are because everybody has the Mm -hmm. same idea. And you need to know what your resources are to start managing those spinning thoughts yourself and to be able to come in and have a productive conversation with your academic advisor or and your pre-health advisor. Yes, ideally and. And? uh, Well, if you're you're one of our majors, then you're going to come see us anyway as your academic advisor. But you need to remember that being a life science major of some sort, and I say life science because that could be the science major, it could be... It could be BMB. It could be biology. biology. There pre-med. are so many options. Pre-med. They're all going to require some of those basic foundational courses. Yeah. So this big conversation about academic planning is to say, like, don't feel like this is a iceberg that you have to climb yourself. But there are lots of people, and our job is to help make sure that you make good progress so even if you feel slight confusion, 
slight. If you are only 99% sure, come on in and let us have it take a look at it. Because honestly, it's a great pl starting place for me, especially if you like kind of have it together. I'd be like, yes, you're on the right track. Let's pivot our conversation. Right? Absolutely. And this is where we get into the juice. I always say, so it looks like we have about 10 more minutes left in our appointment. Mm -hmm. Why don't we talk about some of the other things you could be doing? Mm-hmm. On your pre-health path. Yeah. And then what do we talk about, John? Well, we talk about a lot of stuff. And I want to preface this conversation by saying that, like, we're going to cover a lot of ground. This is not stuff you need to do and start all at once. You pick and choose from this. Yeah, you're going to build up to a lot of this. Eventually, you'll be doing a lot of these things. But you're, set, you're building your foundation right now. It's kind of like when you're juggling. Mm. Right. You start with one ball. Yep. And when you're confident that you can throw that one back and forth, you could close your eyes. You could have a full conversation with somebody while you do that. Mm -hmm. That's when you throw the second ball into the mix. Right. Yeah. You don't ever start with three or four balls at the same time if you've never done it before. Yeah. I mean, I suppose you could if you like not succeeding. <laughs> I know exactly what it would look like if I tried that. Mm -hmm. They all end up on the floor. Yeah. And we want to set ourselves up for success. So yeah. the areas that we're thinking about yeah. are all things that you should consider in the future, but you need to pick one to start with now. Yeah. And I think for our students, a really smart place to start is with shadowing. And a lot of you may have shadowed in high school, perhaps as part of your, especially in Pennsylvania, we have this graduate you didn't go to high school in Pennsylvania. So we have a graduation project that's required of all graduating seniors in the state of Pennsylvania. And it varies from school to school, but there's a couple like sort of like standard things. And most of them give the opportunity to do some sort of shadowing. And shadowing as a high school student and shadowing as a college student are very different. One of the biggest differences is you can put this on your future application. Yeah. But also... You're starting to get into the caliber of courses that are going to be what you need to get to your next starting line, which is starting that health profession. And the insights and perspective that you're taking into that shadowing experience is going to be quite different. You are like a one very important step closer to being that person in that room. Just two or three months on campus does so much for someone's maturity, their yeah. ability to have conversations with other people. Mm -hmm. And that's going to show when you're talking to these physicians, PAs, dentists yeah. that you want to shadow. Yeah. And so you don't need to be like shadowing for 100 hours in the first month. Like that's not realistic. And shadowing for 100 hours overall might not be the best use of your time. Exactly. But – Go ahead and start with some introductions. Yeah. Think about, do I have a doctor back home that I used to see? Yes. Does one of my parents or a friend have a doctor back home that they see regularly? Mm -hmm. Can I make an introduction? Yeah. Maybe there's some time over Thanksgiving break or over winter break that I could come in for a couple of days and learn more about how they work. Yeah. Seeing it now as a college student where – there's the opportunity for that person to say like, hey, if you're really enjoying what you're seeing, we're probably going to have a medical assistant job open up in over the summer. If you're interested, let me know, right? This can translate into something, whereas the, 
that opportunity might not have opened to you as a high schooler. There's and without the- getting into the office shadow, they're not going to think of you. Mm-hmm. You know, you're, you're they, that's not necessarily a job that they're going to post. Mm-hmm. They're going to be thinking about who have we interacted with recently, who we think would benefit mm-hmm. from this level of exposure that we can offer over the summer. Yeah. So you're starting to build this professional clinical network. And that's what you want to start working towards. It's all about building. It doesn't have to be its final form. And maybe you don't like that first experience, but you liked parts of it. So let's say that you shadowed your primary care physician and you loved the relationship building that that person had, but perhaps you didn't really care for sort of the more routine nature a lot of those appointments take on. Right. So you want something you want to then look at something that does have more relationship building, but there's a little bit more dynamicism in that field. Right. So you might look at a specialist that meets with student uh, patients longitudinally over time. So maybe a pediatrician. Right. Maybe a cardiologist is a great one because a lot of people have chronic issues that they'll go back over and over and over again. Oncology is another great example, too. Right. Because you will see those people over time like for diagnosis and then through the treatment process and then there's tons of follow-up appointments. Maybe that's what you look at next. And maybe this is how you begin to learn about the different environments that you could work in in the future. Exactly. Maybe you go shadow that cardiologist and you're thinking, gee, I really love what they do, but I don't know if the outpatient clinic setting Mm -hmm. is where I want to be every day in the future. Mm -hmm. Maybe I want to see what cardiology looks like in the inpatient hospital setting. Yeah. And what we're looking for here is depth and breadth, mm-hmm. which we talk about a lot here. Yes. Because we want to know well enough what's really going on. Yep. We don't want superficial experiences, but we do want to see enough across the spectrum mm-hmm. that we can really feel like we're getting a true sampling of what our options could be for the future. Yeah. Don't feel like Every experience has to be confirming every single preconceived notion that you had. That's not the goal of these experiences. It's really to sort of like push the boundaries of what you had previously thought and get you to consider things deeper. Because once, you know, in a couple years when you actually do apply, that's something that they're looking for in your application. And if you've started off with that mindset of not all of these experiences have to be perfect fits for me, I just need to be learning and making decisions based on that. You, one, you're going to have a more enjoyable experience because nothing, it doesn't feel like, well, if I don't love this, everything's over, <laughs> right? It's something that you can move forward through. So we've covered jobs yeah, and shadowing. Mm-hmm. We love that you can get paid Mm-hmm. For some of these experiences and the work that you do, because even when you're just starting out, you do have something to contribute. Yeah. Let's touch on volunteering. Yeah. Service is really important. <laughs> it's one of the core competencies is having a service orientation. Altruistic nature. Yes. What can I do for others? Yeah. Does there always have to be some sort of return to me? Mm-hmm. Maybe not. Yeah. Maybe I want to know that I'm making an impact in someone's life Mm -hmm. in a way that 
nobody else can Mm -hmm. in a way that's pushing against the bounds of sort of where society has boxed them in or where our policies or uh, history in our country has sort of marginalized or isolated them. How can I push back against that? Maybe that's enough of sort of a return to me that this is worthwhile to my time. I don't need to be paid for this. I want to get to know this community better. I want to learn how um, their needs are being met and how their needs are not being met. Mm -hmm. How can I use my profession in the future to meet their needs, to improve their circumstances, to gain their confidence? Yeah. And again, this doesn't have to be like you don't have to be starting a nonprofit to accomplish this. Let's say that I had a, a, a wonderful student a couple years ago who had experienced some challenges because she grew up in a rural place and there was a lot of people saying like, Hey, you're a girl, you can't do these sorts of things. Right. We thought, we thought we left that stuff in the fifties, but spoiler alert, she's still here. And so a lot of her goals were how can I serve and support and buffet other women? And so she did some service experience with center safe, which is our women's, crisis group for center county and that was a really like emboldening powerful experience for her because she got to know the ways in which our society and our institutional structures have made it difficult for women that experience domestic violence and other challenges to move past that to be able to have safety to protect themselves their children their families and she's like i know i want to work and empower women in my future career. And I now know some of the challenges that those patients will face before they ever even get to me. I'm thinking of another student. You mentioned the rural element here, which is not uncommon with our Penn State students. Mm-hmm. Thinking of another student who had had an abundance of shadowing opportunities. So mm-hmm. they never got paid clinical work, Mm -hmm. but they didn't feel like that was necessary because they were connected enough to a couple of different physicians that they had really gotten depth and breadth of experience within the clinical world. Volunteering doesn't have to be just clinical. You can step Mm -hmm. outside of the clinical world. And uh, she decided to go volunteer with her local volunteer fire department. And... That was her opportunity to get engaged on the level of her community and better understand what her community's needs were. And all the while in the back of her mind, she was sort of matching that up with the experiences that she'd had in the clinic in her general area and sort of putting together this more robust understanding of how do my community members live? What are their values? How do my values align with their values? How could my future training and education as a physician bolster and support this place that I love so much? Yeah. And you don't always necessarily have to go in with like that level of intention. You can do something just because you care about it. And I don't know that that level of intention was there in the beginning. Oh, it almost never is. The beauty of all of this is that with longitudinal experience comes a depth of understanding that wasn't there before. Mm -hmm. And this is why we always encourage you to journal and reflect as you're working, as you're volunteering, shadowing, etc. Because it gives you a chance to see the evolution of your own thought. Yeah. Yeah. Because if you look back at an experience that you started a couple of years ago, 
you're going to be sort of biased by your most recent experiences. And sometimes you neglect that early part of yourself that saw your experience in one way. And a lot of schools, when they're reading your applications, they want to see how you've grown and transformed through these experiences. And this gives you a really great data point to refer back to. I initially started this experience feeling this way about this population. I've come to understand so much more about them. And in the future, I know that I need to be more understanding in this area or be really well versed in these particular types of resources to serve this population really well. And that's powerful. And it's not something that you have to like do tons of research or start an organization for. It's just taking a little bit of time to say, hey, this happened today and this is what I think about it. So like we said in the beginning, your head's probably spinning at this point. Fair enough. And that's fine. Because remember, not all of these things are going to happen right off the bat. Mm -hmm. These deeper reflections we're talking about come after longer periods of commitment to something. Mm -hmm. I like to think about when we have, you know, the Sunday scaries at like 10 p.m. We don't have any more schoolwork to work on. Nothing's really happening. Everybody's Mm -hmm. sort of preparing for the week to come. Yeah. But you start to feel a little antsy. Mm -hmm. The anxiety of all the many things you're going to have to do over the next few years is kind of sneaking up on you. Yeah. So what are some, you know, 10 p.m. to 2 a.m. things (laughs) that you can do? So we already talked about making an appointment with an advisor or looking through university resources to start to put together a plan of how your academics are going to come together. Mm -hmm. Maybe you go scan job listings uh, for the like local hospital where you spend your summers mm-hmm. to see what's the entry level stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but we also have SharePoint. Yes. A really great thing to do when you're feeling nervous is to arm yourself with a little bit more information. And thankfully on our SharePoint website, we have back, we have a back library of like dozens of different presentations And there's almost something for every major concern that our students have. And so if you need to, like, scratch that itch, it's a great way to scratch an itch. And, yes, maybe we won't be able to personalize it for you individually, but you do that, you schedule an appointment with one of us, and then we get you to that point where that itch has been scratched. And not only that, we've prescribed you some cream so the itch don't come back. I think another quick fix for the itch in the middle of the night Mm -hmm. is to listen to a podcast episode. Oh my gosh. A podcast episode, but which podcast? (laughs) Perhaps this one. (laughs) Yeah. We have a a pretty nice back catalog of episodes with a lot of really helpful topics. And we have tried our best to really try and release them around the time of year where we feel like students need to be hearing that information. We do our best to have things come out in a timely manner so that like when the most students are feeling that itch, we have the highest percentage of scratchies. There we go. (laughs) I think that concludes everything we need to share with you today. Yeah, this is this is not a particularly long episode. And it's because this is something that you're setting your foundation today. This is nothing to feel overwhelmed about. Make one decision and build from there. 
Everything else can be figured out. You might be thinking, John, Kimberly, you didn't talk about research. That We don't have to start with that right now. If research is something you're super passionate about and want to work towards earlier, great. We have already or will be releasing an episode where we talk about how to get involved with research. So scratch that itch. Listen to that podcast episode. There's, there's no rush to get everything done all at one time. This is something you build to over time. And so if it feels overwhelming, just make one choice really confidently and we can help you move from there. You don't have to be rocket scientists. You don't have to be psychics. <laughs> yeah. So we are going to just thank you for joining us this week on the Penn State Pre-Health Podcast, and we'll see you next week. The Penn State Pre-Health Podcast is a production of the Pre-Health Advising Office and the Eberly College of Science at Penn State University. It is produced, edited, and promoted by the Pre-Health Advising Team. The views, opinions, and advice shared during the podcast are those of the host and any guest only and do not necessarily reflect the best advice for every student at every institution for every health profession. This is a nonprofit podcast made for the purpose of better serving pre-health students across the university system. Our intro music is This Science by Coma Media, and our outro music is Screening by Coma Media. <laughs>